This is a podcast examining the lives and drives of creative thinkers. People who've turned their dreams into their career. Writers, directors, actors and public speakers, artists and musicians, fellow podcasters, and more. How does creativity work? And how can it pay the bills? This is Created By. Writing is a subject I will talk endlessly about, so I'm excited to welcome my guest this week, novelist and author of, among other things, the successful How to Hang a Witch series, Adriana Mather. I see we're broadcasting from the closet. I like it. Oh, this is as fancy as fancy gets right here. I'm actually hiding in a bedroom where Wolf can't get to me, so. Wolf being your child and not a wild animal that is. Yeah, if he saw me right now, there would be like a very different podcast happening. (laughs) He's weirder and funnier than we are, which is kind of humbling because like a two-year-old who can only say a handful of words makes better jokes than you and you feel like (laughs) really kind of bad about yourself. Like, wait a second. Like, that's not fair. I work at this. Yeah. You learn so much from kids because they're always in the moment and everything is new and everything is magical. And I just don't see the world that way as an adult. You know, like, I'm like, it's a doorknob. And Wolf's (laughs) like, oh my God, it's a magical thing that opens and closes this door. And so you just get to see everything in this fantastical light and it Mm -hmm. makes you pay attention. And Honestly, that's been really good recently because it's so easy to get in your head and Mm. having someone ground you in the space where you are is really nice, so. Yeah. And toddlers provide poop jokes, which is really (laughs) important right now, I feel like. Poop jokes are key. Yeah, they really are, to a happy life. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh no, yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah, start off with <laughs> like a good the one. like red carpet question from hell. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Well, I'm Adriana Mather and I am an actor, producer, and an author. I write young adult novels specifically, mysteries, thrillers, and right now I'm working on a rom-com. Oh. So that gives you a little tidbit. And my first novel that I published is called How to Hang a Witch, and it is based on my family history. Did you always know you wanted to be a writer? Oh, no. I had no idea I wanted to be a writer. I did take writing classes when I was a teen, and I loved it, but I never thought much about it. I didn't study it in college. Um, I was a science person, a philosophy person, and then when I was in the film industry, I didn't even really think about taking on the writer side of it. I wrote one screenplay once, but it it had no plot. It was very funny, but just no plot. (laughs) And then I went snowboarding in Utah. I took this awful spill, broke both bones in my arm, compound fractured, was feeling very bad for myself and was in a lot of pain. And so I went home to the East Coast and perched on my mother's couch where I could properly complain about it and get fed well for two months. But it was really difficult to just sit there. I was so used to being active and I wanted to do my work and I just could not. So during that time is when the idea for my first book, How to Hang a Witch, started percolating. And it's because my ancestors had 
instigated the Salem Witch Trials. So Cotton Mather, uh, Adriana Mather. And I started thinking about that history and I decided that I wanted to know a little bit more. So when I was finally mobile again, I actually went to Salem and I visited it. And my experience there was so quirky and just unexpected that I fell completely in love with the town and decided, okay, that's it. There are cobblestone streets, black houses, lots of murder mysteries and <laughs> living history and curses and God knows what a story is here. I have to write it. And that's when I started writing my book, Present Day and uh, Fiction, by using all of the history of the Salem Witch Trials as clues. Interesting. So how much of that is, um, obviously, it's a it's a fiction story. But like, if you're basing it on family history, like, how did you weave truth with fiction? And can you tell me a little bit about that plot and how that developed? One of the things I did for my research was I wanted this book that delineated my family lineage. And it was written in 1890. It was out of print. And the only place in the entire country that I could get it printed for me was a local bookstore in Salem. Off I went, right? And I showed up and it was a commercial street, but the building was a house with an iron gate. And I'm looking at it going like, is this a bookstore? Because this does not look like a bookstore. But it was also raining at the time. And so I was not willing to think about it too hard. I just went up to the door, knocked, and the woman grabbed the door, opened it by like a couple of inches, peeked out at me and was like, yes. I said, oh my goodness, this is a bookstore? And she's like, yeah. I was like, okay, um, I would really like to order a book. And she flung the door open and walked inside. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going in. So in I go, it's an empty house filled with stacks of books and these staircases that start and stop. And she's telling me how someone choked on their own blood in the house and that people camp on her lawn during Halloween and on and on and on, right? And so she gives me the slip to fill out with my information. And when she looks at it, she looks up at me and she looks back at the slip and she's like, huh, Mather, that's not a very popular name around here. Hmm. And I started laughing. I had never been presented with my family history in this particular way before. I had never been a historical villain. Hmm. And so I was intrigued. This experience actually crafted part of my story, which is that my main character moves to Salem 300 years after her family had hanged witches there and is immediately like the outcast of her school. The social structure is completely flipped. Witches are cool which accusers are not. Hmm. And so I took the history and played with it so that we could look at it in a way that made sense in modern context. So by paralleling it with modern day bullying, especially for young people and what a mob can do, and also examining the label of witch itself, because it is a few people who decide what that word means, right? Mm -hmm. And what connotations it takes. And so looking at that as a title and how it's evolved over time, and mainly just crafting a really fun story about mystery and romance and ghosts and everything Salem. And the funny thing is that people read it and sometimes say to me, wow, you know, 
I loved Salem as the town, but is it really that wacky? And I laugh because it is much more so. <laughs> I toned it down so people would believe it. Did you find representation first, like before you jumped into that process or like how did that work? No, you need to have a finished polished book in order to get an agent. Mm -hmm. And I have an absolutely wonderful, very skilled agent who I would not have if I did not put my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. I love her to death. Her name is Rosemary Stimola and she's just, she's a genius. Well, then I guess in that case, tell me a little bit about the process of writing that novel. Like how long did it take you to get a draft that you could put out there? And then from that point, how long did it take you to edit it down and get it published and all tied up in a bow? Ooh, well, I wrote it really fast when I started writing, mainly because it was just fun. And I didn't actually know if I was going to write a book. I was <laughs> just writing shorthand because I thought, oh, I'll write this into a script but let me just get some thoughts on paper first before I start in my script format. And I got 10 pages in and I thought, well, I could definitely stop, but it's really fun. So I'll keep going. And then I got 50 pages in. I was like, wow, I cannot believe I wrote 50 pages. When I got a hundred pages in, I was like, that's it. I'm writing this book. This is a book. It's happening. Yeah. And everyone thought it was funny because I mean, I've never written a book before, and I wrote it from my bed, which caused one of my friends at the time to compare me to the grandparents in Willy Wonka, which I thought <laughs> was possibly the most apt celebrity comparison I've ever gotten. Nice. And I was thinking, like, this is so great. What, what if I could actually sell this thing? What if I could keep writing? So here I was. I wrote a draft, right? I revised it, all the stuff. And it really only took me about three months, I would say, to do wow. the writing and the revising of the first one, which is very, very fast. But yeah. I had a luxury prime at mm -hmm. that point in my life. So gave it to some people in the industry, wound up getting an agent, wound up rewriting the book because I was told by the agent and by some friends that I trusted that I had written a story that was young adult, but I had not written a story that was young adult. Hmm. So I needed to change it to be young adult. Interesting. And what that required was throwing the entire thing out and starting back from page oh one. Oh my God. I crossed basically a 350 page book and started back at page one and rewrote the entire thing. Hang on, like, let's pause there for a second. For me, one of the hardest things to do is to rewrite something that took an enormous amount of blood, sweat and tears to get finished. You finish it and then you're like, yeah, it's done. I have the idea on paper. We can move forward from here. And then being asked to rewrite the entire thing is such a gut punch. How did that feel? How long did it take you to come around to that? If I had gotten that note from one person, I probably would have resisted it more. But I got it from two people who were both very good at their jobs. Mm. And I know from acting and movie making and everything else that creative process is a team sport. Sure, do the work yourself, take credit for what you do, but it really is a team sport. You are playing with other people. They have to believe in what you're doing. They help you do what you do. And so I just had to get past my ego and dive in and just say, all right, cool. And at first, I think I did believe that maybe I could piece it up mm -hmm. and start back. But I decided to write an outline first to figure out what that story would be. 
And it took me four outlines before I hit one that was workable. And by the time I got to the fourth outline, the story had changed so much that I knew. Had to do it. I just had to start back at the beginning. Yeah. So I wrote it and I actually did not wind up staying with that agent. I decided for personal reasons that we were not going to make a good long-term match and that I was now going to submit the book again. And I could not submit it to all the people who I had previously submitted it to. So this was just a leap of faith. I submitted the book. I had an agent two weeks later, which is very fast. And my book sold 48 hours after my agent submitted it to the publisher of Knopf Random House. Wow. It was a wild ride that ended very well, but took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Well, okay, so you said you had written a young adult novel that wasn't young adult. What does that mean? Young adult is an interesting category. People always think that it means it's for young people, which is not not true. But content-wise, it's the protagonist's age that deems it young adult or not. So literally, if you write a very sophisticated story about a 16-year-old, that's still young adult. Or if you write a very fluffy story about a 16-year-old, that's young adult. So there's all this variance. However, I did not have a main character who was a teenager. So I had to change that, which meant I had to change everything in the book, add in parents, add in school, add in so on and so forth, because a teenager's life is very different, obviously, than an adult's life. At what point did you recognize it could be a series and how did writing a sequel work? When my book sold, it sold in a two-book deal. So I knew there was going to be a second book, but that didn't mean that it was going to be a sequel. just meant that there would be a second YA book of some kind. I happened to be at my grandmother's house, and I was going through some of the old letters that she has from our family. And one of the things that I found in there was an envelope, and on the envelope was scrawled Titanic. My great-grandmother was a historian, and she cataloged our family history. And so I thought, oh, she must have saved some newspaper clippings and I totally want to read them. So I opened up this envelope and there were newspaper clippings from the time, but there was also a letter. And the letter was to my great great grandmother describing how our ancestors survived the trip on the Titanic. Oh my God. It was talking about the water being so still and reflecting the stars and all these details that we know about what happened, but having them described from an experience and from the fear of not knowing if you were going to make it or not was mm-hmm. totally uh, earth shattering. You know, yeah. I just was like, oh my God, what is this? I have to craft this into a story. So it made sense at that point in time because my protagonist in How to Hang a Witch sees ghosts. And so it was very easy to transition from her seeing ghosts from the Salem Witch Trials to her seeing ghosts from the Titanic. So I wrote the second story based on that concept, same characters. Me trying to describe one room on the Titanic meant I had to look at an entire blueprint and what furniture they had and what paintings they had and what the floor looked like and what the windows looked like and where were things and so on. So much work goes into writing. How did the writing process compare? Did you find that the second book was more work or did it come more easily or how how did that go? When you hand in your first book, In order to get an agent, and then in order for the agent to feel comfortable submitting that book, it is pretty polished. 
now you're on a deadline for your second one. You're also still editing your first one. So the editing deadlines for your first one overlap with giving new pages for your second one. So you're working on two things at the same time and you need to get approval along the way. So you submit a partial, like maybe 75-ish pages or so with a synopsis, you get approval on that. And then you continue to write the story. However, it's much harder when you've got all of these things going on to try to focus on crafting this new story. And you also feel this weird pressure because you're like, oh no, now I'm delivering this to the publisher directly. Like what if it's crap? And Mm -hmm. so, which you think about every book, by the way, giddy delight and then utter remorse, you know, it's like best thing ever. And who's ever going to want to read this? And you go back and forth about it like that for a while. Oh man. It's much harder. I'd say my third book was way easier to write than my second. I do a lightning round every episode. Are you prepared to do a lightning round? Sure, yeah. Okay, so here we go. Texting or talking? Talking. Tacos or pizza? Pizza. Do you prefer comedy or drama? I prefer to watch comedy. I prefer to write drama. Would you rather be hot or cold? Cold? I want to be at 65 degrees always. What is the last movie you watched? Uh, Bridesmaids. What's the last TV show you watched? Uh, Warrior Nun. What is your least favorite animal? (laughs) The human, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. On a scale of one to 10, how good of a cook are you? I'm averaging a good like two and a half. That 0.5, that'll that'll get you up there, so. It pushes me over the egg barrier, that's about it. (laughs) What is your favorite snack? Chocolate is one of them. Can you play an instrument? Yes, I can play the cello and the piano. Do you still play often? I don't play at all unless I'm playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on my kid's toy piano, which I crack. (laughs) Would you rather have super strength or super speed? Uh, Strength. How many spritzes of perfume is appropriate? None. It gives me a headache. Would you rather ask for permission or forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness. Have you ever gone to a sit-down restaurant alone? I'm I'm not that great at being alone in general, but I find it hard to believe that I have never been to a sit-down restaurant alone. So I'm gonna go with yes, but I'm not 100% positive. Do you talk during movies? Yep. What tree is best? Okay, yeah. My favorite tree in the neighborhood is the Norway spruce, but I also like the blue spruce and the beech trees that look like elephants are pretty good too. Nice. You did not think you were gonna get that answer, did you? I didn't think I was gonna get three answers, let alone three answers with such specificity, but I do appreciate it. Got a lot of love for the trees, man. (laughs) Cilantro, good or bad? Uh, if you asked me before the age of 20, I would have said it tastes like soap. If you asked me after I had to eat it 5,000 times when I lived in India, I'd say, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. You got used to it eventually against your, <laughs> yeah, against your I will. I gave up. I like it now. Did you ever believe in Santa Claus? Yeah, still. still. I'm still convinced. Yeah, I'm not giving that one up. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at poker? From a subjective perspective, a 10. In reality, probably about a five and a half. Finally, what is the nerdiest thing about you? 
<laughs> just the, the all nerd. There's it's just all nerd. Just I don't think we can pinpoint. Yeah, I mean, you heard my trees. It's all nerd over here all the time. You have two book series. You have four novels currently. The second series is called the November series. Can you tell me a little bit about that and where that idea came from? It actually came from a dream. The first book is called Killing November. Um, and in this dream, I had got these really specific details. Now, getting ideas from dreams is kind of normal in the writing realm. But this one was oddly specific. Like, I woke up and I was like, oh... I have this idea for a story called Phantom High with a tagline of for the kids who don't exist. And hmm. while neither of those things wound up being the exact title or the tagline, it was the idea that I would take a modern teen and ship her off to a boarding school in the middle of the forest that was completely hidden where they train basically a secret society children in things like knives, poisons, combat of all physical types, but everything's done the same way it was a couple thousand years ago. So there's no electricity, there's no internet, hmm. and they have an eye for an eye punishment system. And so she arrives at this school with no idea why the heck she's here, who these people are, and someone is murdered and she gets blamed. And with the eye for an eye punishment system, that's a problem, obviously. Mm -hmm. And to tie it to my other novels, I explored European history. So the kids that go to this school all have these long lineages that have been influencing the quiet influencers of world history. You know, the advisor to the king or the nanny or the best friend or the lover or something where they're sort of whispering in someone's ear and changing the course of history. And so that is who the, these people are. And they're incredibly smart and they know how to deceive in ways that I definitely don't. And it was an interesting series to write because my characters are smarter than me and they have skills that I don't have. And I'm telling you, trying to write a class about deception and me, I had to take an entire class on how to lie and how to spot lies hmm. and uh, body language and micro expressions and then forget the all of the weapons because I have <laughs> no idea what happens in a fight. Like You're not me, a weapon specialist? Yeah, I'm like, what? How does it work? And my husband would read it for me. Like He would read my fight scenes and just be like, uh, that's not what people do with their hands. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so I'd rewrite it and so on. My search history is absolutely out of control. I mean, I've Googled things like, uh, what is the difference between a cut with a knife and a cut with a jagged piece of glass? I mean, that's specific. <laughs> and it gets really grim, like when you get into fighting and weapons and poisons and all the things. But I, for a while, kept hearing this click on my phone, like, you know, the recording click mm -hmm. when I would talk. And I was like, great, that's it. I'm being tracked because I have the weird, I have this awful Google history. Of too like many flags. Google, you know, yeah, way too many flags. And then what they actually hear is like me talking to my mom about my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about the relationship between author and editor? 
editors play a major, major role in the way that a book turns out. Some books are cleaner to start than others, but you can figure that a good editor is going to give you at least two rounds of developmental edits. So big concept stuff. And then you're going to move to sort of like a lighter editing round that's focusing more on maybe specific scenes or specific characters. And then you're going to move on to line editing. So your actual prose and then you move on to copy editing which is a different department editors do a ton of work and having a good relationship with your editor is really important and trusting your editor is so important because if you don't trust them and you can't speak to them freely and you can't exchange ideas you're going to have a problem it's kind of like dating you have to find someone that works for you you are always able to discuss. In fact, it's encouraged. And your notes and your edits are written as suggestions. However, the idea is that your editor knows what they're doing and that they have a perspective on the story that you do not have. So even if you don't take their solution, you should take their suggestion that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. If they've told you that maybe switch this to that and you're like, uh, that doesn't work for me, but I will switch that because I see what you're saying and I see where the problem lies. Do you have strategies for dealing with, you know, writer's block or sticking points? Like how do you deal with those moments when you just maybe don't feel like writing? Or do you, I mean, do you encounter those moments? I understand that writer's block is something that people talk a lot about. For me, writer's block is a plot problem. The reason that I can't continue to tell a story is because there is an issue somewhere earlier on, and it might be 10 pages back, it might be two pages back, or it might be 50 pages back. And so whenever I encounter a roadblock, I just go backwards, find the problem, fix it, and I can go forwards again. Well, that's, I mean, but how do you identify that problem? Good question. Sometimes I can tell. Sometimes it's like I wasn't a thousand percent sure of something. And so it's that instinctual feeling like mm, something feels a little wonky in this bit. And then other times it's having someone else read, like, please read for me and tell me where the issue is. Where did I go astray? If you lose steam on a story, it's usually because it's not inspiring you. So before you sit down to write, you want to really check in with yourself and see if you're excited about the entire story. Is that whole story the story that you really want to tell? Because if you're excited about your story, you will continue. Why writing? Like, what does creativity mean to you? There's no perfect way to do it. That's why I like it. Because it's not, it's not math. And I do recognize that math is theoretical the farther you get into it um i do love math actually but uh it's that there's no right answer it can always be improved you can always grow it can always be different and it's always going to be challenging and i love something that is continually challenging so that's why writing that's why creativity I am 74 pages into a particular feature script rewrite. And I don't mean addressing some notes, I'm talking about a page one, from the top, redo. It's for good reason, and the work is a lot stronger this time around, but 
and I hate admitting this, I've been at it since before this podcast was even a thing. Progress has been slow. I get away with calling it writer's block. I stare at a page, or I rewrite and rewrite and rewrite earlier stuff, since that's easier than putting down fresh words. But I've spent months not finishing it. My talk with Adriana was a wonderful gut check. I'm not surprised. She always has been generous with her insight and experience, and every time we talk shop, I leave smarter. This time is no exception, but I also left feeling particularly challenged and motivated. She rewrote an entire novel from scratch. She writes under deadlines and is addressing notes for multiple things at once. And that's on top of having a family and the responsibilities of real life. She can't afford writer's block, so she tackles it head on. I avoid formally outlining stuff, because I don't like it. It's not as fun to me. But this week, I'm dedicating myself to doing it anyway. I'm going to stop resisting the obvious and skipping all the groundwork and just put in the time. And that's my challenge to you. Are you avoiding the work part of your passion? Take some time to dig into what excites you about it, because the work that excites you doesn't feel like work at all. This podcast and its music is mixed and composed by me, Aaron Milas. If there is a realm of creativity that you're interested in exploring, tell me about it. I want you to be involved in this process along with me. Do you want to hear from more writers, filmmakers, podcasters, designers? Reach out and let me know. You can do that through the website or on social, and you can find that information in the episode description. Next week, I'm sitting down with stand-up comedian and comedy writer Sarah Tiana very excited to share that she's very funny very smart and has had a fascinating career already so be sure to check that out as always thank you for listening and see you next week